Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We come together to receive of the Word of God. We are, are like Acts chapter 4, gathering together with our company where God has planted us, where God has placed us, and there's always a supply for us. There's always a provision for us. And that spiritual provision is not always going to look the same or feel the same uh, because uh, the Holy Spirit has a specific design for every service. Amen? He has a, a specific outline, a specific agenda for every gathering that we have. There are no random gatherings of the body of Christ. And so as we come together today... It, it may be that we hear things that we've heard in the past. We may hear things that we've known before, but that's safe. That's safe for us to hear things that are establishing a truth in us and not just presenting something new all the time, but helping us with that root system and helping us to, to nurture that which God has planted in our spirit. Amen? And so... Today, as we uh, enter into this message, I want to begin in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we are going to preach and teach on how faith comes. Not necessarily how to, but the fact that faith comes, amen? And, and allow those uh, fundamentals of our faith to be strengthened because victory follows the preaching of faith. Victory follows the preaching of faith. Victory follows the preaching of faith. Hallelujah. Victory follows the preaching of faith. Hallelujah. Why? Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. And you know, it's interesting, in, in some translations, it's past tense. This is the victory that has overcome the world. In Espanol, por ejemplo, dice, ha sobrevenido. It has overcome. Has overcome. Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus used this faith that we have. He's already used it and established victory with it and then handed us this faith. Amen? So this isn't a faith that's not been tried. This isn't a faith that is something that he's given us to use, but he considers it something he doesn't use anymore. No, God has given us his faith. We have the God kind of faith, the same kind of faith that God used, uses, the same faith that God used when He created the earth. He has given us His faith, and Jesus has already used this faith. It's as if He took His weapon of faith, 
He used it to establish victory over sin and victory over sickness and victory over the devil and victory over death. Hallelujah. He, he used that weapon and then he said, here, you take my weapon. I'm going to give you the, my weapon so, because it's already overcome the world. This is the victory that's already overcome the world. So it's established. Jesus doesn't have to do anything more to establish salvation. He doesn't have to do anything more to establish healing. He doesn't have to do anything more to establish our redemption. Our redemption is established and faith is the victory that when we put our faith in what He did on the cross in what he established in the grave, in what he established in his being raised from the dead, in what he established in his being ascended to the right hand of the Father and seated at the right hand of the Father. Every aspect of that redemption that we put our faith in, we then become connected to that aspect of redemption. So in order to to gain the benefit of being free from sin, we believe that Jesus was made sin for us. And in the believing that Jesus was made sin for us, we access a freedom from that sin. Sin no longer has control over me. Dominion, Romans chapter 6 says, sin no longer has dominion. Why? Because I believe Jesus became sin for me. I believe Jesus took the punishment necessary to obtain my nothing missing, nothing broken. My sickness was laid upon him and he handed me his healing so that I could live every day of my life free from sickness because I am a recipient of healing. Hallelujah. He doesn't have to do anything more to establish that healing for me. He doesn't need to take another stripe on his back. He doesn't need to suffer another sickness in his body. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that God made him sick. He was made sick with our sicknesses so that we would be made healed with his health. Hallelujah. And I don't have to do anything. He doesn't have to do anything more. Faith receives it. Faith connects to it. Faith is the access point to bring it into manifestation in our lives. Hallelujah. So when we talk about faith being victory, it's what we have our faith in. And, and it's, it's that maintaining that connection of faith because faith can direct the power of God to situations and to circumstances in our life, we need to maintain the connection. Brother Hagen used to make the statement, keep the switch of faith turned on. So if it's possible to keep it turned on, it's possible that sometimes people turn the switch of faith off. Can we say that Peter turned the switch of faith off somewhere in between the time he stepped out of the boat on the instruction of Jesus to come to him on the water and he looked at the wind, he looked at the waves and in that looking he became afraid and he began, that faith began exiting by degrees. He began to sink because he had turned off the current that was coming in supplying him the supernatural ability that was giving him the power to walk on the water. So as faith 
people, as people who walk in faith, walk by faith, it is our lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. And you know, God meant it so many times. He put that four times in the Bible. You can search and find four different times that God said, the just shall live by their faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Because it is when I, we are of God in Christ Jesus. We are the head, not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. We are always going over, never coming under. We are, but we've got to do it by faith. <laughs> we've got to risk all of that has added on God's end, and our end is the receiving end, and faith is the receiving. Hallelujah. Faith is the receiving from God and the resisting of the enemy and the curse. So when we look here at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this verse tells us that faith is substance and faith is evidence. Faith is not a, an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not a, a, um, uh, an abstract thought. It is a spiritual substance. It is a spiritual substance that is uh, um, more effective than things you can feel or see. It is more real than things that are visible to the natural eye. Faith was used to create everything that can be seen with the natural eye. Everything that exists, God used faith to create it. So faith is a real substance. And so if people say, well, God created the world out of nothing, that's not a correct statement because there was, God used faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God put faith in his word and he used those words as containers to transmit his faith into the earth and create everything. So everything was made through faith and by the word. Through faith and by the word. So God didn't use nothing. He used faith. Words filled with faith. He, those words were not empty words because God doesn't own an empty word. God's never spoken an empty word. Every word that God speaks is alive and energizing. Hebrews 4.12, alive, effective, energizing, operative. Every word of God is alive. Every word of God is full of power. Every word of God is operative. In other words, it will work. You can't find a word of God and said, like those batteries I just took out of that microphone and, and say, well, this, these words have lost their battery power. No, no, God doesn't have any words that are even low on power. <laughs> he doesn't have any words that are even at half power. Every word of God is still at full maximum power as when it came out of his mouth. That's why light is going at the speed light is going at today because God said light be and in, and in that command for light to be the power for light to be and, and move at the speed of light is still operative. And so Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that he sustains and upholds all things by the word of his power. 
the word of his power, not the power of his word, the word of his power because God has chosen to put his power in his word. Jesus is the word. God has chosen to put all of his power in the word. Jesus is the word. He's put his power in the word so that it can be transported, so that it can be transmitted, so that it can be delivered. He said in the book of Psalms, I think it's in 107, uh, he said he sent his word. He sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Notice it didn't say he sent his word to heal them. In God's understanding, they're already, I sent my word and I did it. Because if I sent my word, it is accomplished. He said in Isaiah 55, my word goes out of my mouth and does not return to me empty. But it accomplishes what I send it to do. It accomplishes what I please, the thing whereunto I please. So what God wants is in His Word, and His Word does what He wants. His Word accomplishes. So God creates with His words. He upholds all things through His words. He, he releases His will through His Word. That's why if you have His Word on it, you have His will on it, you don't have to say, I don't know if God wants to heal me because you have it in 1 Peter 2.24. He does want it because by His stripes you were healed. He does want it because He was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities and the chastisement necessary to obtain your peace was laid upon Him and by His stripes you are healed. You have it in His Word because Matthew chapter 8 says Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And we, we recognize that God's will is not a mystery. It is in the Word. So if we have His Word on it, we know what God wants in that situation. Amen? And then we mix the Word with faith. So when we see here in Hebrews chapter 11, it says faith is the substance the Knox translation says it this way. What is faith? It is that which gives substance to our hopes. It is that which gives substance to our hopes. So I've used this example before, but hope is an image. It's a blueprint. In the process of building our faith, hope is necessary. If you don't have hope, it's like trying to tell a builder to build your house without I've got the money to pay you and I want a house and the first thing they want is the details. I, I need to know how big you want your house. I need to know how many bedrooms you want and you just can't tell me, okay, give me a three-bedroom house two and a half bath, I want a, a, a two-car garage. No, they're going to say, no, 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 you can't just tell me that. I need you to approve which blueprints because in order for me to build, I need to know how big you want your master bedroom. I need to know where you want the windows. 
I need to know what the, where the front door is. What style do you want? What, what, uh, there are a lot of details that need to be agreed upon before any building can begin. And hope provides the details. And our hope comes from the Word, just like Abraham. He, against the hope that was presented to him by his natural physical body, that he could not have children, that, that he was beyond the age of having children, that Sarah had never been able to have children, he had to, against that negative hope, he had to believe in hope that came to him from God's Word to him. God said, so shall your seed be. And in that, he got a hope that came from God. He got a hope that came from the Word and it overrode the hope that his body presented to him. And there are times that natural circumstances will present a picture to us. Natural circumstances want to give us a picture of failure, want to give us a picture of loss, want to present a picture of of limits in our life and things that we're never going to be able to do. And nobody in your family has been able to do that. And nobody that you ever know of got healed of that disease. And nobody of this. And, And those images are important for us to recognize that's not my focus I have to turn my face, my my focus away. It's not a denying it because there's no power in denying the, the, the facts that you are facing. But the power is in looking at the image that God's Word provides until I have something for faith to build. Because faith can only give substance to the things that you're hoping for. So if you don't, if your hopes are small, faith doesn't have much to build. If, if we'll get our hopes up and go to the Word of God and get some divine hope and get some, some God pictures to look at, get some images from the Word of God to look at, those images will provide us a blueprint that faith can build. So the children of Israel were trying to go into the promised land. God had a plan for them. He had a desire for them. He had His will for their lives. His will was that they enter into that promised land that was flowing with milk and honey. There was provision in that land. There was more than enough in that land. There was good and, and, and uh, uh, goodly houses filled with all good things that they didn't even have to build. And yet... They, they sent in 12 spies and 10 of them came back with an evil report. And they had this to say, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. They had seen the giant and they came away with the wrong picture. They came away with the wrong picture. They said the cities are walled. There are giants. Now listen, everybody wasn't a giant. There was one family of giant men and they weren't jolly green giants that stood like, uh, you know, 25 feet above people or 50 feet above people stomping around like the jolly green giant. No, they were very tall men who were probably about, uh, the theologians estimate 12 foot, uh, uh, 10, 12, maybe 14 foot tall. Hallelujah. So it wasn't 50 feet giants walking around like a a fairy tale. 
There was only one family of brothers, the sons of Anak. There was just that one group. So not everybody was a giant, but they came back and all they could talk about was the wrong picture. And listen, they came back with evidence. They came back with, with grapes the size of basketballs. I mean, they had, they had evidence that this is a land that flows with milk and honey. I say grapes the size of basketballs. They came back with a cluster of grapes that was so big that they had to put it on a pole and two men had to carry it. So I don't know if just the cluster was that big or the grapes were that big, but they came back with evidence that what God said was true, but they wouldn't look at that image. God even gave them something to look at. They could have looked at that cluster of grapes and built their faith. They could have looked at that cluster of grapes and said, everything God said about this land is true. Everything God said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. What does that mean, flows with milk and honey? If it flows with milk and honey, that means there's enough grass for all of our cattle. And there's enough in here so that there's enough vegetation that the bees are abundant and the honey is abundant. So that means there's enough for us to prosper here. And there was millions of people that had come out of, of Egypt. Was it three million that came out? So they needed a place that could supply for all of their families to have plenty of room and plenty of vegetation and plenty for their cattle. And God said, I'm taking you into the plenty. But they, instead of taking God's word and meditating on the image of a land that flows with milk and honey, they meditated on an image of the evil report. They said the walls, the cities are walled, had absolutely nothing to do with the promise of God. It was a detail that had absolutely nothing to do with the victory God had already established them. God wasn't limited by those walls. As a matter of fact, the, the evidence of walled cities was good for them because that meant they weren't allies. All of those different people in that city, they weren't allies. They weren't going to join together and all come against the army of, of Israel. But they came back and they looked at that negatively and they said, the cities, they're walled. And, and, and the, the, there are giants in the land. And then they said, we be like grasshoppers in our own sight. Now that's the exact King James, we be like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's what they were establishing with their words. Their faith was in their mouth. They were saying what they believed. We are like grasshoppers, not in their sight, not in the sight of our enemy. We are like grasshoppers in our sight. And that inner image of not enough, that inner image of failure, that inner image stopped them from entering in. It says they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Let me, let me look here with you at Hebrews chapter 4. Just back up a couple of chapters here. That's actually the very last of chapter 3. Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. It was God's will for them to enter in. 
God desired for them to enter in. He prepared it for the entering in. So it wasn't God stopping them from entering in. Unbelief stopped them from entering. Unbelief in, uh, in what God had said. There were only two who believed God. Joshua and Caleb. The only two that agreed with what God said. The only two that refused the evil report. God called the report of unbelief evil. He said it was an evil report. Their saying, we are not able, was evil in the ears of God. Why? Because it was a lie. It was not true. It was not based on the word. It was not based on the promises of God. It was based on what they could see. It was based on, on a distrust in what God had said. And so they could not enter in and unbelief was the reason that they could not enter in because faith is the necessary ingredient for receiving. Faith is the receiving. Faith is the receiving. Faith is the entering in. Faith is the entering in. And you can, ha you can be in faith and not feel it. You can be in faith and your mind be, be under attack with different things. You've got to cast down those imaginations and open up your heart and say, I believe God. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter the thoughts coming against me. I'm going to put God's thoughts in my mind. I cast that thought down and say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Paul stood on the boat in the midst of the storm. They had already thrown over all the food. They had already thrown over all of the sails and all of the rigging for the ship. There was nothing. If the storm stopped, they would be stuck in the middle of the ocean because they had overreacted and just thrown everything overboard. And Paul stands up in the midst of that storm and he says, the angel of the Lord, whose I am and who I serve, stood by me this night and he told me that none of us are going to perish, but that we're all going to make it. The ship might fall apart, but we're all going to make it. And I believe God. The storm was still raging. Their circumstance hadn't changed. They were, all the other people were still frantic. But here is one person with the word from God and he is making the declaration, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. So they could not enter in because of unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1, let us therefore fear or have respect to this truth. Let us therefore take this very seriously. Let us therefore reverence this concept. Lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Is this New Testament? Is this a New Testament warning? Saying that you can learn from their mistakes. You do not have to learn from the school of hard knocks. It's the most expensive school any person's ever attended. Amen. 
You don't have to learn from the school of hard knocks. You can learn from the Word, and the Word identified an area where they missed it so that we don't have to miss it. If it's in the Bible, it's so that it can identify an area where we can learn from it. Amen? So he says, let us reverence. Let us approach this with a reverence and a a, uh, respect so that the promise being left of us entering in so that none of us come short of entering in to all that God has provided. So that none of us come short of entering in to, to healing. None of us come short of entering in to God's desire to prosper us. So that none of us come short of entering in to the righteousness of God that we are in Christ Jesus. So that none of us come short of entering in to the joy of the Lord which is our strength. Whatever provision it may be that someone seems to be coming short of it, it's coming to this promise, this promise with the right faith coming to the promise and saying I choose to believe it if I find it in the word I'm going to believe it for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them the word preached did not profit them the the good news preached to them did not profit them And it wasn't the Word's fault. It profited the two who took it, who took it to their heart and put it in their mouth and said, we be more than able. It profited them, didn't it? And so notice it says, the Word preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the hearing isn't the end all. The hearing is necessary. Faith comes by hearing. Have we learned that over the last few weeks looking at Romans chapter 10? And we recognized during that entire series we did on applying God's medicine, we continually looked at, uh, at Romans chapter 10 where it says the word of faith in your mouth, in your heart, and faith comes by hearing. The word of faith is in your mouth, it's in your heart, that if any believe, that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confessed Jesus as their Lord, they shall be saved. That is a process that works in every provision. It works for every provision. It's not supposed to be something that we use like a formula one time when we enter into relationship with Him and become born again. That's the first time we use it. But then we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth from that point on in the kingdom. That's the kingdom way. That's the kingdom process of receiving from the provisions of the covenant. So we can believe in our heart that Jesus has taken stripes on his back and we can declare with our mouth, Jesus is my healer, himself took my infirmities, himself bore my sicknesses, and I receive him as my healer. I accept him as and what he has accomplished for me. Hallelujah. He became poor with my poverty. I do know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet he became poor so that I through his poverty would be made rich. So therefore I receive that freedom from the curse. I receive that freedom from the curse of poverty and I am made rich in Christ. I believe it in my heart and I I declare it with my mouth. 
Hallelujah. So that process is here. And he says that in this situation, they heard the word preached, but they did not mix with faith the word they had heard preached. So I can do my part. Pastor Steele can do his part in preaching the word, but then that's not where I lay it down. And not just you, me too. When, I, when, when the Holy Spirit speaks something, then I've got to pick that up and I've got to be saying that. Above only. Above only. The glory of the Lord rises up on me. Above only. I'm above only. I rise above. I rise above the storm. Hallelujah. If you feel the winds of the storm, flap your wings and rise up above it. Amen. Because that's what God said is our position. So when, when we hear it preached, then we've got to pick it up and mix our faith with it. And it's going to happen in your heart and in your mouth. In your mouth and in your heart. In your heart and in your mouth. In your mouth and in your heart. It's a, that revolving of the mouth to the heart, the heart to the mouth, the, heart, the mouth to the heart. It is a, 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 a regurgitation like the cow chewing the cud. And Joshua chapter 1 says you've got to meditate. That's the word for meditate. Meditate on my word day and night. Meditate, mutter it to yourself. Keep it in your mouth and in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. And then you'll be able to see yourself do it. Hallelujah. And so this is the mixing. This is the mixing. That's how we mix faith with the word we've heard preached. You know, there are are times that I hear things preached and it challenges me. Anybody else? Have you ever been challenged by the word? I mean, there's a lot of times that I'm just feeding on the word. I'm feeding on the word. I'm feeding on the word. But then there are times that the, the Holy Spirit will say things. I'm like, ooh, I need to come up to that. I have got to expand into that. I have got to work on something to get there. It challenges me. Well, when it challenges you, what you should do is give that a little greater emphasis. Bring it to your ears more often until you come up to that, until you rise up to that, until, until you strengthen into that, until you grow into that. Amen? Because that's how we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from, from, from one level to another level, is we take those things that challenge us and we say, I'm going to grow in that area. And, I'm go- and to do that, I'm going to have to hear it, and then I'm going to have to mix my faith with it uh, on purpose, with an emphasis, with a determined purpose that I want to bring that to a greater effectiveness in my life. Holl- that was worth you combing your hair and coming to church this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, uh, when we look here at this mixing, it says uh, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. I want to um, show us two different examples in the Word of God. And the first one is going to be found in John chapter 20 and verse 24. And what we want to see here in this example is what to avoid because this is Thomas's response to the news that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, 
verse 24 of John 20. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Digimus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. Do you think Thomas was considering that a spiritual response? Do you think maybe he thought that was spiritual of him? I'm sure he didn't sit around and think, I've just got to be the most fleshly disciple there is among this bunch. Now, remember, the other ones got reprimanded because they were also in unbelief. They also said those women are hysterical and they are talking out of their minds and they were full of worry and full of, of, of unrest and Jesus even appeared to two of them on the road to Emmaus and, and he said, what is this kind of banter that you have going back and forth? What is this that you're talking about? And they said, are you the only one in all of the city of Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened this weekend? And they began, and out of the abundance of their heart, we know what they were believing. They were saying, he was the greatest prophet. He was a great man of God. They didn't know who Jesus was. They did not take any of the things that Jesus had preached to them about the fact that he would raise from the dead in three days. None of them took that to heart. So before you call him Doubting Thomas, (laughs) the Bible didn't call him that. (laughs) The Bible called him Thomas. It didn't call him Doubting Thomas. And I would say when you get to heaven, it would be a bad Uh, expression of manners if you go up to him and say you're doubting Thomas don't don't bring that up don't bring that up that has been forgiven right so they all had their hard hearts that Jesus reprimanded them about but when I hear this I think that he may have thought in his mind that he was being reasonable He may have thought in his mind, I am being the only responsible one in this entire group of disciples here. Y'all are all. The women started acting hysterical when they came back from the tomb. And now you're telling me that you've seen Jesus. But notice what he said here. Notice he said, except I shall see. And you could say when it says, and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand. Except I shall see, except I shall feel. If I can't see it, if I can't feel it, I refuse to believe it. This is a refusal. He did not say, I can't believe. He did not say, I can't. The power is, it is not within me to believe except that I see it. Or he, this is a choice. And, and when you begin to see the essence of faith, it is a choice. It is a choice to believe God. It is a choice to take God at His word. I choose to believe God. I don't see my name written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't see that my sins were washed away. When I got saved, when I received Jesus as Lord, I didn't feel saved. What does saved feel like? I didn't, it wasn't a feeling. If, I, if, I, if it had just been a feeling, it, 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 what, what is the feeling? 
You see, I had to take the word of God at, at the value of who God is. I had to believe that if God sent his son to die on the cross and to pay for my sin, then I will accept that as payment and I will accept his forgiveness and I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel any different. I still had all of the evidence in my life. I still had all of the drugs on my possession. I still had all of the, the misery and, and bad uh, results of the choices that I had made to deal with. But I took God at his word without anything to feel or anything to see. And it's that choice to believe God that if you wait for a feeling, you'll miss the moment. <laughs> you can't wait for a feeling. He made a choice. He said, I will not. This is an exercise of the will. I will not. Over the years in learning the word, I came across something that um, I picked up and started putting in my mouth, and it was this. I am easily persuaded by the Word of God. I've, I've, I've been programming my spirit with that statement. I've been programming my spirit with that statement. I am easily persuaded by the Word of God. Because when you look at even the example we used, the previous verse in uh, Hebrews chapter 3 talked about an unpersuadableness. An unpersuadableness. I'm just going to back up and, and use that one phrase from Hebrews chapter 3. That is, it's, it's not the word unpersuadableness, but it's defined. It says, to whom, verse 18 of Hebrews 3, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. And one translation says, to those who were non-persuadable. To those who were non-persuadable, God said, you will not enter in. Why? Because I can't persuade you to take me at my word. The, the, the entering in is the taking God at his word. When you look at the righteousness which is of faith, that phrase is used in Romans chapter 10, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. That righteousness, you could say, that faith produces, the righteousness which is born of faith, the righteousness which faith establishes in your heart. Right standing is a better way to, to describe righteousness. So faith puts me at the right position. Faith is a right standing. Faith will, will put me over into the right standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The right standing. Why? Because I believe God. I believe that Jesus became sin for me. I have a right to be free from that sin. Because I believe Jesus died for me, I have the legal right to be free from the power of death and inherit eternal life. What gives me the right to eternal life? I believe Jesus died for me. Now, Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody has the right to receive it. Everybody could if they believe. Believing gives me the right to receive it. If I don't believe it, if, 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 if someone said, well, Jesus died on the cross, I don't believe that. 
No legal right to receive it. You can't walk away with it. They're going to stop you at the door and catch you for shoplifting. You cannot leave the building with that because there has not been a transaction, a legal transaction made for you to walk out with that. So people can say, well, God, God loves everybody and he's not going to let anybody go to hell. It's not his choice. He has made available for every person salvation in Christ. But it is everyone's responsibility to choose Jesus. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. So that faith then is a righteousness. That faith is a positioning of right standing. I believe. Is it important what you believe? So, so he established what he believed here. He was unpersuadable. He was unpersuadable. And he said, unless I can see and touch, I will not believe. Compare that to that man who said, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I, I'm trying to believe. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. The man who brought his lunatic son to, to Jesus to be healed. He, he came to the place where he said, any place I'm not believing, help me. In, my, in, in that area. Help me come up in that area. Versus a person who says, I will not. I will not. If I don't see it, if I can't feel it, if I don't have the physical evidence that I could, I could, I could uh, bring into manifestation in this earthly realm, I won't believe it. That's a choice. And that choice hinders the entering in. So he said in to, to him in verse 27, he said, reach here your finger, behold my hands, go ahead, touch it, look, reach here your hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. He called that description, I will not believe if I can't see it, if I can't touch it. Jesus called that faithlessness. He said, that's not faith at all. That revelation knowledge, that versus sense knowledge. Real faith is based on the, the word. Sense knowledge faith is based on what they see and that's not real faith. It's, it's, that's not the God kind of faith. If I have to see it, it's not faith. That's why when it says hope that is seen is not hope. For if a man can see it, why would he yet hope for it? Well, if, if you can see it, you don't need faith. If you can see it, you, there's, faith is for the unseen. Faith is for the unseen. That's, the re God, that's what faith is for. Faith is for when you can't see it. I mean, if you've got the ability to look out the, the windshield, you don't need the instruments on the panel. If you're flying a plane, think about a pilot. But, you know, that pilot could use his visibility. But if the visibility is unavailable, if he's in a cloud bank, if he's in a storm, and he doesn't have visibility, he better hope he has practiced flying by instruments. And if we live our lives only by what we can see out of the windshield, and if we ever get in a storm, and now all of a sudden I have to know how to use that thing on my panel, 
You mean to tell me I have to know how to read that? What? How do I fly by faith? How do I fly by the instruments? How do I fly by that thing on the panel? Well, practice when there is no storm. Walking by faith so that in a difficult situation, faith is natural. I mean, faith should be the most natural thing to us anyway. We are, we are not called doubters. We are called believers. What do believers do? Believers believe. We are believers. I mean, we're built to believe. If anybody can believe God, it's those who are born of God. If anybody can believe God for supernatural things, it's those who are born of His Spirit who have been raised out of spiritual death into spiritual life, who have been translated out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's those who are, are named with His name. Amen. We can believe God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this choice, let's compare this to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'll begin in verse... 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Underline that. The promise might be sure to all the seed. God did not make it by faith so it would be hard to obtain. He made it by faith so it would be certain. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the substance. Faith is the certainty. Faith is the title deed. Faith is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know if He hears us, we have the petitions we have desired of Him. Confidence, certain, 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 certain. This is not a crapshoot. This is not a lottery. This is not a game of chance. This is certain in the kingdom. This is certain. The promise of God is certain because God cannot lie. He put it in His Word form because God cannot lie. There, the, the reason God can't lie is there is sufficient faith in every word that comes out of His mouth to bring it to pass. God gave us His Word and then He made it of faith and by grace so that we could certainly enter into everything we can find in the Word. Every promise is certain. So that, that is the, the adjustment, adjustment that many times people need to make in their believing is because they're saying, I'm believing, but it has a hope in the, it has a hope connotation. What they're I'm believing. And that wishful longing look in their eyes and that wishful longing sound in their voice, I'm believing. I'm believing. I, I, I'm believing. I believe in that God's gonna. That right there took it out of now faith. Put it over into the future. Hope is in the future. If it, if it, when you move over into faith, it moves into the now. When you move over into faith, it moves into a certainty. When you move over into faith, it moves into an accomplished fact. I'm not believing God's gonna. 
I believe I receive and he has. There, there has to be an adjustment. And that's why we've got to... No, don't listen to everybody else's words as much as you listen to your words because you don't, you're not their police. You're not the word police for everybody else to make sure they're talking in, in words of faith. If husbands and wives, we can help each other. So you better make sure that the love command is in place if you're going to help your husband, help your wife with their faith confession. But we need to investigate what's coming out of our own mouth because that's the indication of the level of, of, of process, the place in the process that we are is, is going to be identified if we're still saying God's going to. That's putting off and we, we are saying He hasn't yet. When we believe we have received, we say we have it and He already has and I have it now. I have it now. I have it now. I believe I received when I prayed and so if it was three weeks ago that I prayed it, then I come back to that situation with my thanksgiving and I say, Father, I thank you that three weeks ago I believed that I received and I thank you that I have it. And I have it, Father, I thank you that I have it. I thank you, Father, that I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not going to be healed. I am the healed of the Lord. I thank you, Father, that I am rich, 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 rich. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city. I thank you, Lord, that I'm above only. I'm above only. I'm above only. I love that. I'm above only. I'm above only. Hallelujah. If a situation comes that tries to put you under the circumstance, you reposition yourself. I am above only. I am. I'm not going to be. Not going to be. I am. I am. Am. God is the great I am. The I am. He said, I am the I am. And so when we begin to speak in line with what He has established for our lives, we don't put it off into the future. It's established in Him. We establish it in us. It's established in God's will that you're the head and not the tail. So you establish it in your will. God's Word is His will towards us, and He expects our words to be our will towards Him. If God has said it about us, it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 13 that God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, so that you may boldly say. So God said something so that I would have something to say. He has said He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me, so that I may establish in line with what He said, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man will do to me. Hallelujah. He has said so that I can boldly say. So this we see here is certain. The promises of God are certain. Faith is our part and God made it easy by giving us His faith. Grace is already established in Christ. He is the fullness of God's willingness towards us. Amen? Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. I think that this gives us evidence of his consideration of God. 
Because both of those dynamics are things that Abraham had to believe God could do. He had to believe that God could quicken the dead. And he had, he had to understand God calls those things which be not as though they were. Why? Because God made him change his name. He called him the father of many nations before he had any evidence that he was the father of many nations. He called Abraham what Abraham was before Abraham was what God called him. So God calls those things which be not as though they were. Be is the state of being verb. God calls those things which are not currently in the state of being that you need them to be or want them to be. He calls them that as though it were. So God didn't say you are going to be the father of many nations. He said you are the father of many nations. You are, I call you the father of many nations. And to introduce himself from that point on, in line with what God called him, he would also have to say, hello, my name is many nations. He would have to introduce himself as the father of many nations. Now I want you to think about this. Abraham was 75 when God gave him the original promise. He was 99 when Isaac was born. And it wasn't God who took 24 years to get in line with this plan. We have chapter 15 of Genesis as evidence of what was in Abraham's heart and in his mouth. He called himself unable. He said, what shall... He called himself childless. Didn't he? In chapter 15, he said, what will you give me seeing I go childless? I am childless. I go childless. That's what he called himself. And God had to readjust what he was looking at and what he was saying and God gave him the stars to look at he gave him the sand and he instructed him to not only look at them once in a glancing way but tell them count them look at them to the point of trying to number them and tell and one one translation says tell them how many your seed will be counting to tell how many that's how many my seed is going to be well you're going to lose count after a while, if you try to count stars on a clear night, you're going to lose count. The sand, how's he going to count the sand? How's he going to count the grains of sand? It's innumerable, and that's what God wanted. He needed to see it innumerable. He needed to see it so much bigger because all he could see, what was the inner image he had? Childless. Just like those men who came back and said, we be like grasshoppers in our own sight. We be. We be like grasshoppers. And now he's saying, I be childless. I go childless. I go childless. That was the inner image that he had. He, he was, was seeing it contrary to what God had said. And God had to give him not only an image, but a word. So God said, so shall your seed be. So when he looked at the stars, he heard so shall your seed be. So it's not just stars, 
But those stars give a reference point to the scripture, to the word of God. The word of God was so shall your seed be. And he had a picture to imprint on his mind. Uh, he, had, he had that innumerable picture provided by the sand and provided by those stars. But what he was hearing was, so shall your seed be, so shall your seed be. And it changed his inner image. Within a year of God changing his name, he brought forth a child. And Sarah brought forth a child. He changed Sarah's name too. Within a year. What if they had got their heart and their mouth in line 23 years prior? I've heard, I've heard people make that statement. Well, you know, you just got to be patient. It took God 25 years. It wasn't God who took that long. God was, the minute that somebody got in line with the word that God had spoken, God was able to do what God said. But it's by the word. God established covenant on the earth so that we would have a legal way to interact with him. If we don't act on the word, that's our approach to God. That's our, uh, that's our interaction with him on the basis of his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's his legal interaction with mankind because Adam fell in disobedience and took mankind, disconnecting them from the life of God, connecting them to the authority of giving Satan authority, the dominion of darkness. We have been translated out. Jesus translated us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom so that now we operate by the word. But because we're on the earth, legal interaction with God comes by the covenant, the word Jesus, and the written word, which is Jesus. Amen? So if we don't believe God, He has no legal interaction with us. He has no legal right to move on our behalf if we don't believe Him. Hallelujah. It would be illegal for God to do something that someone says, I can't believe that, I won't believe that. For God to do it anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He believed before him whom he believed, even God. So now we're going to see these two things that Abraham believes about God. God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. One translation says he calls non-existent things that he has promised as if they already existed. That's how God calls them. So that's how we call them. Notice it didn't say God calls those things which be not as though they're going to be. He does not call those things which be not as though they are. He calls them as though they were. He calls them as though they were. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He establishes that, that point, and then it is that. And that, yes, I established that. It's been that way. I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I am the healed of the Lord. I was healed by His stripes. By, I was healed by His stripes. So if I was, I am. Amen? Glory to God. Verse 18. Who against hope, believed in hope, that He might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. So the power to come into being something that he wasn't came out of this phrase, so shall your seed be. He became something that he wasn't by the word, so shall your seed be. He became, he came into being the father of many nations by that phrase, so shall your seed be. So you can come into being healed by by his stripes you were healed. You can come into being prosperous by he was made uh, poor with your poverty so that you might be made rich with his riches. You can become based on the word. The word has the power to cause you to become what the word has promised you are. And don't ask me to say that again. It might get twisted around to try to repeat it like that. Again, and being not weak in faith. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. Notice we found the persuadedness. John said, I will not believe. But Abraham didn't have anything to see. He didn't have, I mean, he didn't have any physical change he could see in his body. He didn't have any physical change he could see in Sarah's body. He didn't have any physical evidence other than what God had told him about the stars and what God had told him about the sand. All he had was the Word of God and he became persuaded with no physical change in their body. He became persuaded with all the symptoms still rampant in his body. He was persuaded with all of the symptoms still rampant in his body. All of the reports coming back in, with a negative report, with an evil report. He still had all of that, but he became fully persuaded. How did he do that? Well, he wasn't weak in faith. How did he refrain from becoming weak in faith? He did not consider his own body or the deadness of it or the deadness of Sarah's womb. And when it says that, it doesn't mean he denied it. He wasn't walking around saying, I'm not too old. She's never been barren. He didn't, call, he didn't say, she's never been barren. She's never been barren. She's never been barren. She's not barren. He said, that has nothing to do with it. The walled cities had nothing to do with God giving them the land. The, the, the giants who lived in the land had nothing to do with God's ability to take them into that promised land. But they gave their attention. The wind and the waves had nothing to do with Peter's ability to walk on the water. 
But the enemy will bring you wrong things to look at that have absolutely nothing to do with God's ability to move in your behalf. And if we give our attention to it, had nothing to do with the end result. So you know what Abraham learned? He learned not to give it his attention. Abraham did what Peter should have done. Peter should have should have taken his eyes off the wind, taken his eyes off the wave, put his eyes back on Jesus and repeated to himself what got him out of the boat. He should have mixed faith with the word he heard. He should have said, Jesus told me to come. I'm walking on the water and I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going to walk all the way to Jesus. I'm going to walk all the way back to the shore. I'm going to walk all the I'm going to just walk on the water because Jesus said I could walk on the water. Think about David when he's standing there looking at Goliath. He started talking. He said, today I am going to take your head off your shoulders. And the more he talked, the more strength came into his spirit. And he said, and not just you, but I'm going to, I'm going to, those, your brothers, I'm going to get there. And all y'all, he said, he just, he became stronger with every declaration of faith. Amen. Abraham did not give his attention to the facts of the matter that had nothing to do with the, with the uh, promise of God, the Word of God. He turned his eyes off the symptoms, turned his eyes off of that, and took it out of the equation. If you keep working the equation and getting the wrong answer, you got to go back and check, what am I adding together here? What am I putting in this equation that's not supposed to be in this equation? If I ask you to, to tell me there's fruit in a basket on a table and I say, tell me how many bananas and how many oranges are on that table. And you would say, well, there are two bananas, there are three oranges and four pears. I didn't ask you to talk about pears. I didn't tell you to start counting pears. Don't look at the pears. I want to know the bananas and the apples on that table and you say well there are are two bananas and there are three apples and there are seven grapes on that there you start pulling all these other details in it's going to cause your equation to come up with the wrong answer Er, wrong answer wrong answer giants in the land who cares wrong answer we be more than able Walled cities, er, wrong answer. We be more than able. Wind and waves, er, wrong answer. We're more than able. He considered not his body. He considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't pull it up into the equation and try to equate it in and figure out how is God going to do this with her womb? How is God going to do this at my age? He took all of that out of the equation and said, God's going to do what he said he would do. God can be expected to do exactly what he said. So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. He staggered not at the promise of God. We're talking about how to become persuaded. We don't consider things that are uh, 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 not a part of the promise. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But instead, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. If you find yourself challenged by the promise, the correct response 
is to worship Him about it. Give glory to God, and in that worship, in that giving glory to God, you, you will find a strength and a recognition. In worship, and I'm not talking about a, necessarily a song in a service, although we do enter into worship through that vehicle. But worship needs to be available to you at any moment. You don't need a, a musical uh, accompaniment to worship. You don't need other voices to help you worship. Worship is you ascribing worth and value to God. And so in that giving glory to God, whether it's with a song or not, whether it's with music or not, if your heart is ascribing worth and value and saying, Lord, you are so good to me. I love you with all my heart. I worship you for your faithfulness. The more that you worship God for his character traits that he outlines in his word, the more you will see them. It's magnifying. It has a magnifying effect. When you begin to just meditate on his compassion and you go through every scriptural evidence of the compassion of God and you, you began to see how that Jesus was moved with compassion and healed all the multitudes. You see how that God, when he introduced himself in, in, uh, to Moses, was showing the glory. He said, I will let my goodness pass before you. He said, I will, I will let you hear that I am, loving, I am full of loving kindness and tender mercies. He described himself. Those character traits are, are the basis for worship. And in the worship, he is magnified in your heart. He is bigger in your heart than what you're dealing with. If what you're dealing with is big, the way to minimize it is to put your focus back on the Lord. And begin to worship Him. And when you worship Him, he, gets, he, he is magnified above the adversity. He is magnified. He becomes bigger in your estimation. It doesn't change who He is naturally because He is great. But it changes what you see about Him. It changes how you view Him. And it changes your atmosphere. When the Scripture says, and I tell you this often and I'll tell you again. When the Scripture says... He inhabits the praises of Israel. Inhabit is the word to sit upon the throne. He enthrones himself upon the praises. So as you worship God in your home, as you worship God in your car, as you worship God in whatever scenario you find yourself in, you are presenting a place of honor, a place of dominion for him to reside. And that's why we need to have worship in the home. That's why we need to have worship in our home. Our walls need to hear our worship. Our furniture needs to be invigorated with our worship. There, there needs to be a charged atmosphere of worship in our home because we have established in that worship that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over any adversity that could come against me. He's Lord over any situation that I'm facing today. Jesus is Lord. 
and it's established, He is able to come into the atmosphere and sit in, in your home, in your life, in a way differently than people who are not worshiping. And it's possible to be a believer who is not worshiping. It's a sad, it should, these things ought not to be, brethren. It's a sad thing, but there are a lot of believers who are not worshiping, and because they are not worshiping, they're dealing with, with heaviness they shouldn't have to deal with. They are dealing with depression. They're dealing with, with, with things that the enemy is able to infiltrate. Listen, when God is enthroned in your worship, over your atmosphere, everywhere you go, your, His presence is manifest in your walk that heaviness can't get in. That's why God said you've got to throw off the garments of heaviness and put on the garments of praise. Put on the garments of praise for those spirit of heaviness. Well, so how do you deal with heaviness? Praise. How do you deal with heaviness? Praise. Well, he dealt with this huge promise that seemed far beyond him. He went from seeing himself as childless to be, being persuaded that he was the father of a multitude who at 99 was just having his first baby. How did he go from seeing himself childless to seeing himself the father of a multitude? He, instead of staggering at the promise of God through unbelief, like they did when God said, I want to take you into this land that flows with milk and honey, because of their unbelief, they could not enter in. Their unbelief was, we be not able and two that believe said, we are more than able. So what do you say? We are more than able. We're more than able. And so he did not stagger at the promise, but he used giving glory to God as a means for him to be able to, to embrace the promise of God. And as we progress, every one of us will come to something that we'll see the promise of it and think, how could that be? I remember when I first saw that God said I could live out of debt. I thought, what? What? Out of debt? What? That seemed so hard. That seemed so foreign. Until I started meditating in it. Until I started worshiping God in it. Until I allowed His Word to expand me. Amen. Amen. He became strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. That's, that's the end goal. That's the objective that we're aiming at. Fully persuaded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look at me. I'm right on time. Even with my clock just went out of battery there. I'm still right on time. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for how you help us. Father, the victory that comes from the preaching of faith, we receive it today. We call ourselves more than able. Would you say that with me? I am more than able to receive all that Jesus has provided for me. 
all that God has planned for me. I am able to receive from God. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I call myself above only. I receive the glory of the Lord rising up on me. Father, I ask you, lead me in the specific design that you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me to your feet as we prepare to dismiss temporarily. We'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock.